This podcast series leverages the beauty and richness of culture, diversity, and highlights the many stories that make up Western Sydney. We want to break through the stereotypes of what it means to be Australian and celebrate the strengths and uniqueness of our vibrant, thriving community. This is Same Same Different. This is Western Sydney. Share your journey. Tell your story. Speak your mind. Find your voice. And when Axel quite sweetly croons my thoughts, why don't you just beep off? Bless him. Bless. (laughs) Thank you for being here. We're so excited to have you here with us today. Fabulous. Yes, Tanya. And I know that you're doing a lot with Western Sydney MRC itself, with the Refugee Youth Mentoring Program, which I'm a part of. I'm so grateful to be a part of it. And also, I only learnt today that you are also a little romance novelist. Ooh, um, aspiring. <laughs> uh, no, you know what? If you're right, then you are a writer. I'm a writer, yeah. In terms of novelist, aspiring writer, oh, yeah, I'm there. I'm there. That's, yeah. that's amazing. So obviously you want to explore about them both, but let's just start with you. How did you get into where you are right now? Tell me about yourself, growing up, everything. Oh, wow. Okay. That was a long time ago which I'm only just saying to embrace the fact that it was a long time ago. So I grew up in um, a smallish country town called Tamworth, which is kind of in the middle of New South Wales. Rachel's making funny faces at me. Are you from Tamworth? <laughs> my partner's from Tamworth. Oh I my love that. Goodness. My friends are Everyone, from Tamworth, yeah. Everyone's from Tamworth. And I always say, so that's the capital of country music in this country, which is why I love heavy metal. Um, <laughs> that's, it's shaped me, absolutely. <laughs> I grew up there in a typical family unit, mum, dad, and a couple of siblings, went to school, got to the end of high school and realised I'm in a small country town, might need to vacate. <laughs> so I moved to Sydney to study and spent a couple of years trying to figure out what I wanted to do and eventually settled on community welfare because I realised I had a real passion for social justice. And it took me a while to figure that out, but now I'm very clear, social justice. Yeah. That's good. That's amazing. I want to ask about two things, but I'll start with, obviously, when you came from the small town of Tamworth to Sydney, what were the challenges that you faced and what was great for you and what was also not so great for you? So the first thing for me was I finally understood the song Welcome to the Jungle by Guns N' Roses. Uh, <laughs> it made a lot of sense to me because I actually flew into Bankstown Airport oh, and got out in Bankstown. So I was uh, like, no, what has happened to you? I love that. <laughs> so that was the first challenge and coming from somewhere where I knew everyone and would happily walk everywhere or just get a ride with someone to knowing absolutely no one and having to navigate public transport and things like that was actually quite challenging and of course I was 18 so I thought I knew it all yeah so that was yeah (laughs) the fact I survived it is quite amazing I have to say that's amazing and the second thing I wanted to ask you was in regards to your passion interest in social justice how did you know that was it for you and also why Do you know, I'm not entirely sure how I figured that out. I just knew, because originally I thought about doing law or acting, because they're quite similar. Honestly, I'm so glad you mentioned that, because I do law, and so does Archie. And we had a role play that I had to do for class the other day, and I was like, you know, this is so similar to acting, because we were just there, and I was like, I should have just majored in acting. That's my backup, or stand-up comedy. There we go. (laughs) Absolutely. But I think I've always just had this innate need for things to be fair. 
Yes. And I'm not sure. I think I just read probably the curriculum for it and I realised I didn't want to be a psychologist. I didn't want to be a social worker. I wanted to be out in the community. Mm. So that's where I fell into it and realised that's where I wanted to be. For me personally, that resonates with me so well because my reason for doing law was for that exact same reason and also my experience leaving from the corporate law firm background to where I'm in the public sector now and getting involved more in the community is because I just want to help people, you know. It has to be fair. There's so many injustices that I've seen and I'm like, let me just help out where I can and how I can. Absolutely. Be part of the solution, people. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, for sure. So I really want to know about your writing. When did you start writing? How did that become a thing you wanted to pursue? I can't remember a time I didn't write. When I was a kid, I used to write all the time. And I learned to read and write really young because my dad had dyslexia. And so he kind of didn't have much of an education. So my mum decided to rectify that by teaching him to read and write and me at the same time. That was before I went to school. So I've always been a reader and a writer. And when I was a kid, I used to write my own stories and type them up and illustrate them. And and I was always reading. That was what I wanted to do. And I did actually have a cadetship with the local paper. But again, it was the local paper in a small country town and everyone left. So I thought, no, no, I need to get out of here. This is not where I'm meant to be. And I think it just fell by the wayside. I just, I didn't know anyone who was a writer. I didn't know any journalists. So I just kind of pursued a career where I might earn some money. Yeah. <laughs> I did study creative writing at uni, mind you. That went nowhere. In my creative writing course at uni, the only thing I did really well in was a poem where I finished quoting Axel Rose. <laughs> it was like this heartbroken love story. And in the end, it's like, I can't remember what were the two lines. They've been in my head for so long and now I've forgotten them. Oh, when Axel quite sweetly croons my thoughts, why don't you just be off? I love creative writing in school. Mm-hmm. I read so much romantic novels and a lot of vampires and werewolves. I, don't know I was why. so into vampires. I don't know why. What's the thing? I, was, I had it. this obsession. I, I wanted my boyfriend to be a werewolf. I was <laughs> always like, Team okay, Jacob. <laughs> but I was always Team Charlie, Bella's dad. I'm like, hey, oh, wrong with you people going after the 16-year-olds. <laughs> My God, be age appropriate. (laughs) Well, obviously for me, it was very fitting. So I started taking some courses and getting involved again. A few years ago, I think I was at that crossroads where you think, what am I going to do with my life? And someone said to me, what did you want to be when you were a child? And so when I was a child, I wanted to be a writer. And I realised that's actually who I want to be. So I started taking some courses and getting involved again, both as a freelance writer in the journalism side, but also a creative writer. And I thought I was writing suspense and thrillers until a very well-known Australian author, who's this gorgeous lady with little nana hair and glasses, she'd hate me for saying that, but she's so sweet and lovely and she said a very bad word and told me to get over myself and I was writing a romance. And I thought, right. My first reaction was what I think probably a lot of people do, is like romance to be ridiculous. ridiculous but she encouraged me to join the romance writers of australia which i did and that's when i actually found my tribe i don't think you meant to say tribe anymore but they're my tribe (laughs) and it was amazing i suddenly realized that romance is actually everywhere and part of everything because love is what makes the world go round. you know name a single movie where there's not a romantic element or a book or you know anything so i'm now proudly a romance writer and absolutely embrace that i don't know i kind of feel that at the crux of everything i I do a storytelling, whether it's in my day job, working with people from a refugee background or telling other stories or creating my own stories. It's all interconnected. 
I'll say when I was reading your submission, I was like, oh, she's working in the public sector and helping people in social justice by day and then like a romance novelist by night. <laughs> it was like sort of like a superhero thing and I was yes, like, oh, yes, it's so inspiring. Glasses on, glasses off. Glasses off. <laughs> I know, basically. <laughs> That's amazing. I'm a hopeless romantic myself and I love romance stories. I don't mm-hmm. know why. It's just something about the happy endings. What I wanted to ask you in regards to your work with Lush, I believe. Mm-hmm. So you do like columns on there? or Yeah, so I'm a regular contributor to Blush which is an online magazine and it's purely for people who love romance. So it's romance readers and obviously writers as well. And it's the brainchild of Jackie Grieg who creates this on her kitchen table in Forbes, bless her heart. And she's also a romance writer. And it is the greatest side hustle in the world because I get to speak to the most amazing authors all over the country, all of my favourite writers. I just get to fangirl all over them. And I also get to learn a lot about podcasting, which I wasn't really aware of. Now I love podcasting. And books to movies and you name it, there's a million different things that I'm like, what is this new platform or some way of being? I just love it. It's the best gig in the world and you were talking about how at the beginning you didn't really know if writing was for you or being even a novelist which I definitely think that you can do was for you what would you say to people that are listening that when they're like a bit lost with their goals or what they're trying to achieve with life what would you say to them I think it's what are you passionate about what brings you joy because if it brings you joy then there's something in that to be explored and we all need to pay the bills doesn't necessarily mean that what you're passionate about what brings you joy will necessarily pay the bills in the beginning you've got to do what you do to get there but never give up on your dreams especially in this day and age of digital technology there's so many ways you can achieve your dreams and to reach out to people and what I've discovered in the writing community is they are the most generous amazing people in the world I find it amazing that people whose books I've read and just love, I can actually contact them directly and they'll happily give me advice or tell me what I need to do. And I think that's true in any field, really. When you find where you're meant to be and what you're meant to be doing, there will be people along the way to help you, to mentor, uh, to guide, to give you advice, to tell you when you need to maybe have a rethink, but always follow your dreams. And if you're not sure what they are, just remember what you were dreaming about as a child. Oh, amazing. I wanted to know, do you feel like your writing of romance feeds into your day job or the other way around or are they connected in any way? Yes. So one of the stories I would love to write one day, well actually there's a lot of stories I'd like to write but I'm really interested about the human experience. We all want love Mm -hmm. and I think, you know, I've grown up in Australia so I have this Western view of what love is but imagining myself growing up in say a village in Afghanistan and having those challenges that are facing women there but still wanting love i'm really interested in stories like that and one day i hope to tell them but yeah love is everywhere Yay, love. <laughs> Yay, love. I feel like I after this, love. I'm just going to be like, oh, no. <laughs> you sprinkle some rainbows and butterflies. I know. Yeah, I love it. I feel like I'm going to go home, resume writing, because I love writing, but yes. also doing journalism as mm-hmm. well as law. But I find it so hard to, like, write while I'm still at uni and working yep. and keeping up with family and friends. And it's always just a thing I do during the holidays, really. Mm. And I don't think too much about it. But after this, I'm literally already <laughs> so inspired to just go home. Absolutely. And, <laughs> just go right. right. Just go yeah. do it. And I wanted to get your thoughts. Me and Sarah were talking earlier about how when we were younger, we used to be crazy into reading. We used to read all the time. I used to be up late at night, 2 o'clock in the morning, my flashlight on my phone, Mm -hmm. just reading, and my mum would come in and be fake sleeping because I would would love the books. But growing up, I feel like I don't do it much anymore because I'm preoccupied and whatnot. 
But also, I've noticed in both of our younger siblings, they don't read. Yeah, no, they're it's just really sad. Uh, it's so sad. I've had my little sister ask me, and she's probably going to kill me for putting this on here. <laughs> and uh, she has asked me to read a book for her and just to give her the summary. And I was like, what? Oh, Second nice. time is she asked me if there's a movie about it. Can I just watch it? I was like, dude, seriously, That's read it. Like, working. read, learn. It's not yeah. that hard. What are your thoughts about that with the new generation? I think, <laughs> look, it is tricky because probably one of the reasons that I read so much when I was a kid is I didn't have iPads or the internet or, exactly. or access to TV or that kind of thing. So reading was my escape. And I think in many ways it's a skill like anything else. You need to learn it. And once you start doing something, you realise... I mean, even if the internet goes down, the book is still there, people. You know, and it's an escape. You know, you go to the most wonderful places and worlds when you read. And I really encourage everyone to give it a go. One of the ways I do it with my own children, I just buy them books. Yeah. yeah. And role model reading constantly. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, can't get dinner. I'm reading a book. I love yeah. that. I love that. No, I do feed them. I do feed them. <laughs> That's who, yeah, comes back. No, like three hours later, maybe, but we've got to finish the book first. <laughs> That's wow. I just wanted to ask you as well. So obviously we know that you're a writer, you're a dreamer, you're an experienced enthusiast mm-hmm. and an awesome car vocalist. Yes. So I wanted to touch with you about a dreamer and also being a car vocalist. Mm. What do they both involve? Well, they cross over a lot. Yeah. Because in my mind, I have been a rock star for as long as I can remember. Heavy <laughs> yeah. <And>, metal. <laughs> yeah. Yes, very much so. And particularly on long car trips, which is my to and from work, I like to have my own little mini concert and anyone passing me would see that because I'm very passionate. I love that. belting yeah. it out. That's the best, honestly. Absolutely. It's great stress relief. It's yeah. great therapy. I was just yeah. going to say it's- the best way pay when you can just absolutely and i'm trying to think of the netflix series where her husband died and she's trying to find the killer but she's this straight-laced real estate lady i know that to me i love yes, that show. and then her stress relief yeah. is that like death metal literally and everyone says to me oh my god that's you i'm like yeah, yes, yes, yes. Well, and in regards to dreaming, I know what I say is here that you're a daydreamer. You daydream mm, a lot. What do you tend to daydream about? Yes, everything like being a rock star, but even just I might hear something on the radio or have a conversation, and that will get me thinking. One of the problems with being a daydreamer and a writer is there's about 48 characters in my head and worlds in my head where I would love to just write them all down, but I've got to focus on what I'm doing one at a time. I daydream about the characters and the stories I want to tell and travelling the world forever. I agree. As a rock star. That's the dream. I would love that. And I was... Or with a rock star. I'm happy to yeah, speak with a of... rock star. I don't mind. That's so good. That's so good. And with regards to your dream to write and be an others, whatnot, I wanted to ask you, with people that are listening right now that are aspiring to be writers as well, what kind of tips can you give them that have helped you? First one's really basic. Write. Just Write. Write, write, write. The other ones are also very basic. Read. You must read. Writers read. Readers write. So they're the basic things. Then if you want to, I guess, learn a bit more about the craft and the structure, start looking for what will work for you, whether it's there's a million online courses which are as short or as long as you need them to be. There's also lots of face-to-face courses, whether it's through a community college or if you wanted to do a course at university or whatever that is. I've done lots of them and I love them absolutely love them that's where you meet other writers that's where you meet people who are in the same boat as you who are wondering how to fit it in or you know just learning what do you mean that's a passive passage I don't understand (laughs) just trying to understand the mechanics of writing so you do have all the time in the world you don't have to achieve it overnight I've kind of been following this dream quite in a focused way for the last five years and I feel like I'm on the precipice now 
looking down, just get the book published. Yay. Yeah. But also writing for Blush has taken me ages to find someone that I love writing for this magazine. Yeah. And I love the content. So it'll happen when it's meant to happen. So do you have any thoughts on how reading or writing can help cultures intersect? Absolutely. So the way that you keep a culture alive, the way that you get culture to understand each other is through sharing stories. Yes. So that's the best way. And you see this throughout history. You want to destroy a culture, you destroy their stories. You want to yeah. revive the culture, you share the stories. I mean, we live in a country where we have the oldest story-sharing people in the world, our Indigenous people. And language was actually created to record stories because before it was always just through speech. So stories, share our stories, listen to each other. That's how we will get cultures to understand and intersect. Being a mentor with the mentor program here, mm -hmm. I definitely see that because I've had the chance to share my story with my mentee, learned so much from her with her storytelling and also a few of the other people that we have talked to on this podcast platform have also touched on about how important it is to share their stories, whether it's through dance or singing or just speaking it and just you know mm -hmm. communicating with each other. So it's very powerful. Can you tell us more about your day job? I'm really interested to mm -hmm. learn what it is you do for the community. Mm, me too. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty sure somewhere there. I'm going to go switch the hats. So my job as the program coordinator of the Refugee Youth Peer Mentoring Program is a really interesting one. I basically support the four locations that look after the RYPMP, which is Liverpool, Fairfield, Wagga Wagga and Wollongong. So they're really diverse regions that have a whole lot of different challenges. And it's about supporting the project officers, getting understanding of each location and each region and bringing that all together to be a one cohesive program. An important aspect of my job is also to illustrate the importance and the impact this program is having on the lives of young people from a refugee background, but also the mentors as well. Because as you say, that's the beauty of sharing and learning. It's ongoing learning no matter who you are and what your role is. And I've learned so much doing this program. I've always wanted to work in the refugee space, so it was just a really great opportunity to bring my background and skills in project implementation to the table for the RYPMP. So, yeah, loving, loving it. And, and I get to meet great people like you, Hashi. <laughs> thank you, thank you. And it's been such a great opportunity for me and I'm so glad that I took it on. For people that are listening that want to be a part of it, what would you say to them? What do they need to do? What do they need to be able to bring to the table to be a mentor? Time make the commitment so it's a peer mentoring program so that peer could mean a lot of things it could mean peer is in culture it could mean peer is in close in age it could be a particular career path or life experience or an educational path it might be someone that you want to just be able to talk to practice your English skills or it could be anything but basically if you have the time to give you're probably going to make a great mentor. So I was talking to you and Sarah earlier about how, in my opinion, I think mentoring programs are great and I think they should be implemented in other aspects of our systems. But specifically within the juvenile justice system, I always thought that having a mentoring program in the earlier stages when young kids get introduced to the criminal justice system would be very effective. What do you say? But do you think, do you agree with that? Absolutely, with that? absolutely. I think for a lot of young people who kind of get involved in the criminal side of life. They're not striking out on their own, deciding, oh, I'm going to do this bad thing. It's the environment they're brought up in. They don't have necessarily the role models that could help, I guess, talk through some other choices with them, which is really sad. So I think a mentor 
would be fantastic. I think early on, before young people become institutionalised in yep. corrective services, would be really great. And there are a lot of people who would be supportive, I think, of that in the wider community. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully we can get something happening with that, fingers crossed. Yes, government, if you're listening, <laughs> please us money. <laughs> run a pilot for you <laughs> exactly exactly but that's what I mean like I feel like there's so many people that are willing to help that just don't know how to help you know or there's no Absolutely. platforms to help going back to your interest with writing and whatnot and also just you in general who were your personal heroes growing up writing wise and just in life I don't know that growing up I had heroes that have stood the test of time, unfortunately. <laughs> but I think it's anyone I've ever met who's a writer. Just I find them so inspiring and so giving of their time. Yeah, I so said I've been blown away by the number of people who are just willing to give you advice or support. And I think the entire writing community is my my hero, I have to be honest. Well, you have the J.K. Rowling situation. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously that's really inspiring. Yeah. Oh, locally, I'm just trying to think of people I've met, like Marion Lennox, who's written, oh my goodness, well over probably 150 books by now. I recently interviewed Claire Connolly, and she has been writing professionally since 2014, and she's just released her 83rd book. She writes 100,000 words a month. It's wow, amazing. I, say out of me. <laughs> I know, <laughs> I'm just thinking, oh, wow, that's incredible. But this morning I was speaking with Kate Forsyth, another amazing author, and she has a doctorate in fairy tales. She's the only person in Australia who currently has that, mainly because most people don't know you can study it. And it's amazing. She is just such a wealth of knowledge and her books are so incredible and so powerful. But one of the things she said about writing is you have to practice it every day and you then learn to write. And Claire Connolly says the same thing. If she doesn't write, it doesn't feel right. She feels out of balance. So you need to train yourself to be able to find five, ten minutes and then get faster at it, which is something I realised only recently I could do is I can fit in a lot of words if I just apply myself. I can't even remember what the question is because now I'm thinking about fairy tales. Oh, right. Yes. I think Kate Forsythe definitely to have a doctorate in fairy tales and she was inspired as a child because she actually was in a terrible accident that had her in a coma for six weeks and had a whole lot of things happen where she was basically not able to interact with the world and she could relate a lot to the fairy tales of Rapunzel and Sleeping Beauty. I won't tell her story but to hear her story is quite amazing. She didn't realise at the time, not until she was an adult, but that has always haunted her imagination as she said and as a result she has gone on to write a whole series of amazing books that reimagine traditional fairy tales. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah really, really good. I love really good. reading, even watching yeah. the reimaginations of old fairy tales. Yeah, so. absolutely. So many versions. The first book of hers I ever read was actually based on a love story between a Nazi and a Jew in World War Two, and it's based on, I can't remember the name of the fairy tale, but it's a famous fairy tale, believe me on that. Cool. This is why I'm not going to tell her story because... I don't know <laughs> yeah, and I may be like jumping to the end here, but I just wanted to ask if obviously in your capacity writing for Blush, you interview so many different people mm-hmm. from so many different backgrounds and also coordinating the RYPMP programs as well, you have access to such a diverse range of people. So with that being said, what does same, same, different mean to you? Same, same, different means we all aspire to have love and want love in our lives. So I guess that's we're all the same that way. We all want love. Different is that it looks different for everyone. But difference is not a bad thing. It's a great thing and to be embraced. And if we keep sharing our stories, 
we're going to become much more okay with embracing difference. Yeah. Hopefully. It's amazing. Hopefully. I just love love. <laughs> I do too. <laughs> you guys are so cute. I love it. I feel like we've asked every yeah, I feel like question. I've done everything. I was going to ask favourite books. Any favourite books? Did you... My favourite book, yes, I do know the answer to this, in the whole world is To Kill a Mockingbird by Hupperlate. It encapsulates everything I love about social justice and I think it stood the time in terms of society and the issues we still face are very similar to what Atticus was fighting in To Kill a Mockingbird. Yeah. So that is my absolute favourite book. I've always started that book but never finished it, but I feel oh, like I was never ready in my life, maybe at that mental space, to understand that book. But mm-hmm. I feel like maybe in a couple of more months. Yeah. <laughs> During the holidays, it's coming out. During the holidays, I'll going to be like on my to-do yeah, list. Absolutely. But apart from that, pretty much every other book that's ever been written would come in second. Because yeah. I love books I love and books. I read voraciously. So, Are you familiar yeah. with Maya Angelou? It's one of my yes, favorite ladies. Yeah. She's amazing. So inspirational. <laughs> Yes, and I'm really lucky through my writing associates, I meet a lot of people who then share their work with me. So I have come across so many new writers and genres that I never would have explored before. So I encourage everyone to read something different as well. You never know what you'll find. Do you have anything planned for the future from now to like five years' time? That's too long, maybe in a year's time. (laughs) No, five is good. Five is good. I think that's achievable. Definitely want to be published as a novelist. That's definitely going to happen. On the improbable side, I'd love a major film company to option the rights to one of my books and make me a lot of money. Yeah, put it into the universe. It's going to happen now. So that and writing, and I've just started developing workshops around writing um, to share, so maybe doing a lot more of that. But I also hope to still be involved and indulging my need for social justice. So I'd say in five years' time we'd be finalising our report, Harshi, on our pilot program into mentoring (laughs) young people in the juvenile justice system. So that will be great. (laughs) I'm excited (laughs) for that. Yeah, absolutely. So I hope to just keep doing what I'm doing and discovering new adventures and just going after them. Tell us when you do those workshops. We'll bring our little siblings. Yeah, get them to read. (laughs) Yeah, maybe that will actually get them to read something. Absolutely. Reading is wonderful. And this is a curious one, but what do you think in the future with the reading? I feel like nowadays we have Audible, we have Amazon, all these platforms. What do you think can happen in the future with reading? Oh, goodness. Anything and everything. I don't think it really matters the platforms or the ways that we read as long as we read. You know, books are never going to go out of fashion. Just like even though we have elevators, there's still going to be stairs. Uh, So that's just the way it is. But the way people access the things they want to read, I think the more ways we can do that, the better. And let's not forget our libraries, people. Libraries are the best. Yeah, absolutely. They're the best place if you want to read and don't have any more space on your bookshelves at home like me. Uh-huh. Half of them are like unread, like I'll start a book and then I'm like, yeah, I have to finish that later, do I have time now and put it back and it's just never pick it up again. It's just, it's yeah, a struggle. The same problem for me at the moment. Yeah. I don't know why, I don't know what's going on, but I start a book and I just can't finish it and then in the meantime I'm doing something else and I find another book and I find it interesting yeah. I'll start that too. Hopefully I'll get all of those done The soon. worst is <laughs> when you have so many unread books in your bookshelf or you just started the book and you left it and then you go out to buy more yeah, books. like who do yeah. you think you are? <laughs> yeah. no, no, what are you doing? Yeah, that's okay. It's My okay, to be read you. pile is about 70 <laughs> and I just keep adding to it okay. and then the way I deal with that when I feel like this is out of control as I just start reading on Kindle. <laughs> 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 I was like, oh, 
hiding. <laughs> you can't see it. Hiding the Any inspiration. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, no one can see them if they're yeah. on the computer. Yeah. And you know what? I feel better because if you're saying it's okay, it's yeah. definitely okay. Honestly, and you're the one that loves reading and writing. I am so inspired today. I'm going to live by all your words. Oh, that's it. Well. <laughs> well, just write. Write, 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 write. That's all I can say. Awesome. Keep writing. Just letting you know, once you get your books published, we're going to be the first readers. Yes. Number one fans right here. Yay. That's it. I'll invite you all to the launch, yeah, which will so be enormous. And, and probably send me bankrupt because no one's going to bankroll it for me. But... Yeah, only get we'll to launch your debut another once. So exactly. Thank you so much, Tanya, for being here with us, sharing your story. Thank you for having importance. me. Anything else you would want to say to people listening? Look, love really does make the world go round, and we all become kinder yes. when we love and share our stories. So keep sharing, keep loving. Love but costs you nothing. Yes. <laughs> and kindness costs nothing as well. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Thank you so much, Tanya. Thanks for having me. To find out more, visit wsmrc.org.au forward slash SAME. Hey Harshi, did you know that this podcast is actually funded by the Multicultural New South Wales? No, I did not know. But yeah. did you know? I just found out. <laughs> <laughs> did you also know that Audio Technica has funded much of this podcast as well? No, I did not. Thank you so much for letting me know. Yes, and thank you, Audio Technica and Multicultural New South Wales, for helping us bring the stories of the West in Sydney to the world.